Please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Read New City Catechism question 38 with me. What is prayer? Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Keely. Um, I appreciate Bobby going to Theological Roundtable this week and learning all kinds of stuff with all the other pastors as they study the gospel. And when he was talking about going back this summer, um, a sermon came to mind. And the reason why it came, because my wife and a few of the other ladies, Dee, Teresa, Don, I believe, went to the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference in Indianapolis. And lo and behold, whenever shipping goes to a conference, she loads up on books. Yeah, she does, which I appreciate. I appreciate it. And one that caught my eye out of the six books, I forgot how many books you got. It was quite a few. Was this one by Kevin DeYoung, The Lord's Prayer. And I recommend it to you all to get it, to read it, to keep it, to review it. Because for me, it, it just expanded more and more of the Lord's Prayer. He breaks it down to even just the word you know, of each petition, and I'll go over that in a minute. It was about 15 years ago, I was talking with Bobby and Karen earlier this morning, um, that I did this sermon on the Lord's Prayer. Because back then, the Minister Alliance of Lincoln County and uh, Mescalero, we've always got together for the National Day of Prayer, which is the first Thursday of May. So, it happened in that year, and I was trying to calculate whether 06 or 07, that 11 days after that was the global day of prayer. And within that, what the Minister Alliance decided to do for each day, beginning with the National Day of Prayer at 6.30 in the morning, then starting that Friday after, until the global day of prayer, which was a couple of Sundays after, we had a time of prayer in all the congregations. Well, not all of them, 
but the majority of the congregations of here in, in Ridoso and Mescalero, because I attended each one of those to really just wanted to be in prayer. And that's the love that I've had ever since a kid to pray and to continue praying. And being taught to pray is, is really important. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's teaching us how to pray and what to pray. So once again, you know, the scripture that's mentioned here in Matthew 6, 5 through 13, Young does, and I want to say 95% of my sermon came out of this book, so a lot of it is quoted from it. But De Young poses the question, how should we pray? According to Jesus, there are two big no-nos when it comes to how we pray. Don't be like the hypocrites, and don't be like the pagans. No-no on those. The hypocrites. He explains hypocrites, or kites, hypocrites, because it got a K in it, so I had to say the K, but this is in the Greek definition, means play actor. So many of us, you know, have gone to plays, and sometimes they're in costume or not, but that's the, the main uh, definition of it. As someone who pretends to be something he is not, the, strong dic- the Strong's Dictionary defines hypocrites as soiled, you know, stained, dirty, just soiled. Now with that in mind, when sin came upon us, we were soiled. And that's the part that where Jesus is going to teach us and proclaim that you're not soiled anymore. Isaiah 1.18 Now come let us reason, dispute. Together say, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Matthew 28, 3 says, His appearance was like lightning, and His clothes was white as snow. So we, being soiled and in sin because of, of the sin that originated from Adam and Eve, were going to become white as snow. And how was that possible? By Jesus coming from heaven to earth, being crucified, dying on the cross, being buried, and then being risen. We sang that, the empty grave. He's been risen so that we are redeemed and have no sin upon us. Now for me, I continue to sin. So I need this every day, that reminder DeYoung also states, prayer is not a formula. Prayer is not an incantation. Prayer is not a recipe. Prayer is a relationship. A relationship with our Creator, 
a relationship with the Son, and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you know what else? We're all in that same relationship, together to lift each other up, to pray for each other, to encourage, to know and study the Word that I know I could call Bobby and say, hey, Bobby, I'm struggling with this Scripture. What does it really mean? My wife, she, she does a lot of studying, and oh, I love it because I learn twice as much. Cause, and I pay attention, I have to say that. But that's the part that where we know that prayer is in a relationship, and I want to emphasize that with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So with that being a hypocrite, and going on there, and, and a lot of times I'm, I'm that way. And the reason why I sin, say I sin all the time too, because a lot of you have asked me here and there that, how are you doing, Rifle? Well, to save conversation, I'll just say, I'm doing fine. But it was at um, Sportsman, Gail, is it Gail? Gail Sportsman um, Memorial, that a friend of ours, Asked me, how are you doing, Rightful? And I just, normal answer, yes, yes. But I told him, Freddie, I'm lying. I'm not doing good. I had two deaths in the family, one by suicide, one by possible overdose. That's what, you know, we haven't got the autopsy. And these kids, a nephew and a niece from each side of the family, not brother and sister, but just knowing that they took their life at age 32. My niece died at age 33. I was being a hypocrite. Now, a lot of times we're, we're cordial and want to be polite and not carry on the conversation, but that's where I had to get in check and know that I'm doing all right right now. You know, I'm doing, I learned this quotation from Jimmy Neely, um, I'm doing within reason. I like that, you know. I said, hey, that's a good way to answer. You know, I'm doing within reason. So, and then, of course, that stops the conversation because for me, I don't want to go in for the reason why because I'll be taking up your time and then you'll say, oh, I got to go. You know, I got to go. But that's one thing about, about the, what I got out of being the hypocrite. And basically, like how he says it, is that we're putting on a mask and we're also soiled. The second no-no in praying is Jesus doesn't want us to be like the pagans when we pray. And I wrote down, be the one, not the 40, 450. And DeYoung gives that story in there back when Elijah, back in 1 Kings 18, 20 through 40. That's the whole story of, of Elijah and, and the prophets of Baal. He gives them the opportunity to pray to their God. 
And it was just the comparison. It was that, again, let's dispute, you know, whose God will listen to you and whose God will listen to me. My God's the Lord of all, Elijah saying, and he'll listen to me. So that 450, well, right here's the, the verse, a section of that in that section. 1 Kings 18.36 says, And at the time of the evening oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. That evening oblation time is the evening sacrifice. So that's where he waited till the end of the day, because earlier in the story, there's that 450 prophets yelling, screaming, going up, cutting themselves. You can find in the story, they're all full of blood, but nothing would happen to take up the offering. And you'll find out later on if you read that whole section in there when Elijah says, Lord, God, you are the one, similar to that. Then the next thing you know, God came in a mighty flame, took up Elijah's sacrifice, and then the sacrifice that the 450 had out for Bell. said, I'll take it all, because I am the true God, is what Elijah was trying to get to the people. But why, why was that? Because Israel turned away from God, and Elijah was trying to say, hey, you're not following my commandments. You're not doing as I ask. You go to running to other gods. We, you know, I had plenty of other gods, and you know they were destructive to me. Until I said that prayer, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sin, 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 and I need you in my heart. Help me to repent, and help me to know you more and more, building that relationship. Even there. That was May 23rd, 1993. I came in this church in 86, I want to say in August, but I was just here to try to impress a girl. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what it was. Came up to the altar. The pastor was my biology teacher and football coach back in Alamogordo, and so I knew him, and I knew some of the other members of the congregation. But that... Sandra Hall was, ooh, I worked with her, and that's what brought me here. But look at that seat, that, that, that drawing to here, where I ended up now. Because I kept coming back, because there was other friends. I met Tay, I met um, Joe Eby, uh, Bill Yates. You know, I met some, some good, strong men that, you know, hey, that they checked on me. And then, of course, Dan Paxton, you know, my, he would call me and see how I was doing and glad I was here. So, again, that's where it's important that 
that we pray for others. I like that. Those that are lost as well. So that we know that we're not being a hypocrite because many a times I've done it myself that I'll pray for you and then wait till I see you again. Oh, I forgot to pray for you. Let me pray for you. So that's where coming into the no-nos of what Jesus is saying in these first few verses. Matthew 6, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8, Jesus uses the word Gentiles in verse 7. But he isn't talking about ethnicity. He's thinking of people who pray when they don't know the true God. Going back to the prophets of Baal, they didn't know the true God. And that's where their prayers were the empty words, were nothing of sustain to know and glorify and acknowledge the one true God. So we come into verse 9 of Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's not my Father, it's our Father. Growing up, a big family, eight kids, two different ones. And I remember Shippen asking me when we were first dating and getting together and we're with my sister, Bibi. Some of you know Bibi. And we're talking in conversation and all of a sudden I was saying, well, remember when my dad did this? And then Bibi would have a story. Wow, remember when my dad did this? So Shippen say. Why do you call him my dad? Because he's my dad, you know, for me, he's my, but with my sister or anything, he's our dad. And we grew up that way. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or something like that, but we always claim. To this day, that's where I call my kids my, you know, and even my grandkids my, even if they're all there, you're mine, 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 mine. But again, that's kind of where in this prayer that te- Jesus is teaching us, it's more of a community prayer that it was meant that we, I enjoyed hearing you when Keely was reading that scripture, you all joined in. That is community prayer in love, building that relationship as us all together and praying. Also, in a recent Gospel Coalition article, why does Jesus make us pray our Father? This is by D.J. Murata. There are two approaches to prayer are stated. The my God people and the Mr. God serve people. The my God people like to pray. They feel cozy with God and all, and have that relationship that, oh yeah, I could run to the Father and have a conversation with them. That reminds me of when my son and I, for Father's Day, I think he was right about 12, maybe 13. I'm pretty sure he wasn't a teenager yet because I think that's when our kids start separating from us. But 
he, we go to the peak for Father's Day. And that's how we celebrate a Father's Day. Just me and him. And one time I had told him, hey, Joel, how do you pray to God? I don't know. He says, well, do you remember the conversations we've just been having? Talking about, you know, oh, here's this track or the stream or just whatever conversation that what he was saying. That's how you pray to God. He's your father. You have that one-on-one conversation. And that just, that just reassured me that we can come to God through Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The my God people like to pray. They are cozy with God. The Mr. God, sir people generally don't like praying and prefer the pastors to do their praying for them which is not wrong. There's nothing really wrong with that. We ask our pastors to pray for us or come and pray for someone or to be praying for someone who's lost or misdirected or or we know who are, are hurting. So again, we don't say that the Mr. God, sir people are excluded. There might be shame on them There might be where they feel unworthy. And that's where it's all our job to know that, hey, we're we're strong in the Lord. We're made white as snow. The sins have been cast away from us as far as the west meets the east. And where is that? It doesn't. That's how far it goes away. This helps me understand that the Lord's Prayer is a community prayer. And as mentioned in DeYoung's book, other community prayers are the Apostle Creed, the Ten Commandments, and more precisely, the Lord's Prayer found in John chapter 17. I always like that one because Jesus, it starts out with Jesus looking up to the sky He raised his eyes up and calls on the Father to glorify him so that he could glorify. And within that prayer, too, it talks about the unity of the apostles. That's what we're here for, to continue that unity. But not only just present here, but there's again, there are people traveling or or sick or absent for them and their families more and more. I love it that, that uh, Naomi said to pray for Bethany because we pray for her quite often. comes to mind. And that's where we just continue to keep that. So with that, there's also the Shema. That's in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Let me read that right quick. I've got to read it. That's the thing about getting old. You just forget everything. And getting old is anybody over 35. (laughs) So, verse 6. 
I'm sorry. Verse 4 of chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That is a prayer like most of us learn the Our Father as children. I know I did. Raised Catholic, that was something that you had to have. I remember my mom would whoop me if I didn't learn the prayers that we had to learn in catechism. And this is all in preparation of, of getting your first Holy Communion and all that. But that Our Father is a really good example of what we should have instilled in our heart. And back 15 years ago or back then, you know, I mentioned that the Lord's Prayer is more of an outline of how to pray. And the young mentions that too in petitions. Because in, in chapter 11 of Luke, verse 1 and 4, the first verse talks about Jesus was praying in a certain spot. And we just talked about that, about going into your prayer closet. And when he came back, one of his disciples said, teach us how to pray. Like how, the, how John taught his apostles. Now, I didn't study any of John's prayer. I didn't, you know, I knew that. But as far as his prayer, because... That's what baffled me to where Jesus is telling them, pray like this. But yet, even that question in Luke teaches how to pray. Because most of us, as I mentioned there, the kids of Israel, they knew how to pray the Shema. And also in the temple, there's the 18 benedictions called the Amida prayers. And Amida means standing prayers. So these were prayers, 18, in the temple, in the synagogues, that people and probably were taught to the children of these are them. So they learned those prayers. I like number eight of the Amida prayers the standing prayers, the benediction, that's on healing. Even when I am feeling to the top of the best day or best moment of that day, there's always something bothering me, whether mentally, physically. A lot of us experience that physical, so we're always reminded of the stripes on Jesus' back. Let's move on to the petitions now. The first one is, Hallowed be your name. According to the Heidelberg Catechism, the Lord's Day, number 47, Hallowed be your na name means to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means to help us 
to direct all our living. What do we think, say, and do so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised? Hallowed is, is acknowledging God as, to me, number one, above, holy, never to know what sin was, never to know what, what death or destruction is. He's aware of it. Don't get me wrong. He's aware of it. I mean, it was beautiful coming in this morning. I think I shared with Mary, we saw a rainbow. Sylvia was the one pointing it out. I said, oh, and immediately when we see a rainbow, I just think, oh, thank you, God, for not flooding us over again, getting rid of us by drowning. I could do that on my own. I, I know how to drown easily. So, The second petition is, your kingdom come. And, the, and a simple definition from that, from De Young is to think of the kingdom of God as his reign and rule. Another way to think of kingdom is as God's redemptive presence coming down from heaven to earth. The redemptive presence of God coming down from heaven to earth. And who did that for us? That's Jesus. He's that redemptive presence that God sent because he loves us. He loves us immensely. There's no measurement of loving. When I was wooing shipping, and sorry, shipping, I'm going to be teasing you all the time. Back then, I said, ah, you're so beautiful. There's no measurement of that. If I had to measure it, it would be 10,000 times every star in the galaxies. And there are new galaxies formed each day. Did I get a kiss? No. <laughs> I didn't get a kiss. Or I don't think so. It was afterwards, I guess, but... A couple of days after, maybe. But again, that's the part that we're, where we're wanting to know that God is that redemptive presence here by Jesus Christ. So going back to that May 23rd, 1993, asking Jesus to come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. And I know that he was crucified on the cross. He died, was buried, and on the third day rose and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And to this day, I believe that. I believe it immensely. So in our third petition... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we usually mean when we want to know the will of God is a will of direction. What is important to God is that we rest in his will of degree. We obey his will of desire and we trust 
that he is directing our lives through wisdom and good counsel. That's important for us. The wisdom that we ask for from God is the only one that we can adhere to and know. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are asking God for his commandments to be obeyed promptly, gladly, and securely. We are asking for Christ to reign in human hearts. We are asking for the redemptive presence of God to be known and felt here and now. That is the great commandment, to know that. You could also read in Mark chapter 12, 30 and 31, I think I got that page marked, um, I hope I'm in Luke. Give me a minute, people. Enjoy the rain. Now, there's an answered prayer. Remember back in the spring when we were praying for rain and rain and rain and rain and God fulfilled our prayers. But in Mark chapter 12, I believe it's the last two verses. It's a commission, actually. Verse 30, and it's kind of going along with the Shema. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Who are our neighbors? Think about that. Pray about that. I have a neighbor that's 92, would you say? Mrs. Schaefer. And I've witnessed her declining. But I pray for her. Now, I'm neglecting to go visit her. She's recovering from COVID. And that's no fun. But if you could imagine at 92 years old, how hardening is that? But she is off oxygen, though. I do praise God for that. We must continue to know that God is listening to us in prayer and asking and calling out his name. The kids hear me all the time. Jesus, help me. I'll say that. And my youngest one would say, why does Jesus need to help you? I want to tell him to not whoop your butt you know, for one thing, but, but it's, you know, mainly for patience. And it, it, there's different circumstances that where, you know, it will apply. But that's what came to mind. Let us move on to the fourth petition. Give us each day our daily bread. This petition is asking for daily provision 
Jesus did not teach the disciples to begin their prayer with gimme. The order of his prayer is important. Before we ask for ourselves, we are first concerned with God's name, his kingdom, and his will. That's the first three petitions that we go in. Our Father is the introduction. And that's the part that where now we are giving, asking for our daily bread. The first concern for God's name, the second petition, God's kingdom, and God's will. The answer to today's question is, is a great outline for prayer. God is pouring out on our hearts. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession, and sin, and thanksgiving. And in the commentary of this question, John Piper's commentary says, Prayer is the way you walk in the Spirit. Prayer is the way you walk by faith. Again, Jesus is giving us an example of community prayer with giving us each day our daily bread. We, I always related that to the food, you know, just a loaf of bread. I know we've gone to houses before for communion and just ask them, hey, do you got a, a bread, a piece of bread in the, in the cupboard or uh, can you get a piece of bread and some juice? And I would share with them a communion. Most of the, well, I shouldn't say most of the places, but some of the places we break tortillas, you know, and go from there. So that, I mean, it, it, it's the symbol of what I learned, that it's not an actual loaf of bread. Now, in the Last Supper, Jesus does show that that is the new covenant and to demonstrate what he is doing by breaking that bread and sharing it and to give that reminder. Because then he takes the cup, and we'll do that after this, and takes the cup, blesses it, and shares it to to bonify, to make sure that you get this and knowing that he is the Messiah. In De Young's book, he mentions that Augustine summarizes the tradition of the early church when he argued that daily bread could refer to three things. One, all things necessary for sustaining life. Two, the sacrament of the body of Christ. Three, spiritual food. De Young adds that this petition teaches a spirit of contentment, a spirit of gratitude, and a spirit of dependence. How much every day that we are dependent in, on God Many of times, I would put myself first. And, and it seemed like after doing that, it seemed like my day would just go terrible. Or something would happen that, that didn't make sense. 
I had a good friend tell me that in the morning or when you go to bed at night, throw your shoes underneath your bed, you know, a little ways. Just don't have them there by or where you keep your shoes at. Throw them under your bed when you need to get them. So when in the morning when you get up to get your shoes, you're kneeling down, reaching under the bed at that time. Say a prayer. Acknowledge God. Know that he's present in your life. And take him with you for that day. Because that's all he says, our daily bread. It's not, you know, we do plan for more or at least try to schedule. But today we're talking about today, our daily bread. Petition 5 says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I learned it with trespasses, but it's pretty much the same meaning. This verse helps me understand that the Lord's Prayer is instructions for how to pray. When Jesus says, forgive us our debts, you can hear Jesus asking for forgiveness too. But how is that possible? Because God loves us so much. 2 Corinthians 5.21 reads, For our sake he made him to sin who knew no sin, so that he, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once again, I didn't deserve to to live eternally of my sin, of the original sin. But God loves us so much. He loved me so much. Back then, he knew, rightful, I'm going to take care of you. But if you have to make that choice, you have to ask me to come into your heart. And boy, I am so glad I did. The second half of the petition is, as we also have forgiven, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiving people, forgiven people, forgive. Zacharias Ursinus, in his commentary, on the Heidenberg Catechism, explains forgiveness in a helpful way. Forgiveness, he says, can take three different forms and only one must be present. Forgiveness is threefold. One, the first one, which most of us all relate to, at least that's my number one, is revenge. When I get offended, I want to get them back. When someone talks bad about me, I'm going to talk worse about them. That's the first one of revenge. This petition to all, when we forgive, we don't seek revenge. I probably won't forget, but we don't seek that revenge. The second point that he says is of punishment. This will not always remove 
for God desires that his law be executed. And that's an important part in this prayer, knowing that we have the commandment that we go by. God's commandment is that we live with him eternally. It's as simple as that. But that is only if you acknowledge him as your one true God and accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let us continue to think that daily as we go in. For his promises are plenty. The third one of judgment in reference to others. This should not always be remitted. For God who prohibits falsehood will not have us to judge as knaves or dishonest as honest men. But he designs that we should distinguish the good from the bad. Again, if usually when you're in court or making a testimony in, in, in a setting of, of dispute, they have you take an oath. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But I think many a times people may slip on there and not tell the truth, being dishonest. To try to get out of jury duty, I always say, oh, he's guilty. He's guilty. I mean, you know, that's the thing. that they're, The one that I did get out of, I actually knew a witness and knew that person very well, and that's where the judge said, this case probably won't be good for you, and right on, yes. Because I was already practicing lying, you know, going back to sinning every day. I was already lying, even I running it by ship, and I'm the only one that could pick up my grandkids at the bus stop, so I need to be home by 2 o'clock, and I'm sorry, and, and, you know, you'll have to chase me down and arrest me because come at 1 o'clock, I'm going to take off back to Redoso. I mean, I was, I was all prepared to do that spill, be that character, that play actor, put the mask. But, but judge, there's no... They're single moms. My daughters are single moms, and they're both working, you know, and, and I watch them. Well, thank you, Lord, that where he helped me, and just by being honest and answering the questions from the judge and the attorneys, well, it was the judge that asked me that question, so I knew right there once he said, this case probably won't be good for you, and I agreed with them, uh, they're not going to pick me. So I did make it home on that. So that's the part where, where many a times we have dishonest men being the hypocrite to be as honest men. And we should distinguish the good from the bad. We have that built into us. We know at this point, where we're at. The sixth petition is, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. De Young describes that there are at least three different kinds of temptation in the Bible. One 
sometimes the Bible portrays temptation as trials or testing. James 1.12, Blessed is the man who preserves under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promises, promised to those who loved him. The second one is sometimes the Bible thinks of temptation as enticement to sin. Jesus was tempted externally by the devil's entreaties and suggestions. Likewise, we can also be tempted from the outside by the world's lies and promises. Now, my wife was gone last week, and there I was, temptation and the enticement. And I had to pray. I didn't get the 10, 15 pounds of fried chicken that I was wanting. I mean, it's automatic for me. One shipping leaves, I'm either at Kentucky Fried Chicken or at Albertsons getting fried chicken. Because, man, and I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and supper until probably when I get about 10 pounds worth. Okay, I'm going to move over to the tamales. That was the other thing. I ate up the rest of the tamales we had. You know, it's, it's those temptations that we walk by. Karen brings the donuts, and I walk by, and I'm like, ooh, but no. Again, we are being tempted by the world. We're being tempted by lies of Satan. The enticement, just like Satan told Eve. Surely, did God really tell you to not eat all of the fruit? Yes, we can, except the tree of good and bad. Why? Because you'll surely die. You surely won't die. Again, I witnessed shipping with my sister-in-law Friday night saying, ah, no, you reminded her. She was watching her calorie intake. And they brought us a piece of cake. The table next to us, some friends of ours, a good chocolate cake, and set it there, and we shared it, me and shipping, Riker and Cindy. And all shipping says, those are calories, because... Cindy's on a no-calorie or low-calorie count or something like that. But, I mean, it's, it's that enticement of having that right in front of you. And, well, you know, she knew that, and she took a bite. That's all that Eve had to do is just take a bite and then give it to her husband. Here, it's really good. And I do that a lot. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Shippen made some awesome cookies with what? Heath candy bars or something like that or crumbs. Oh, man, I might be switching from oatmeal raisin cookies to those chocolate chip cookies with the Heath candy bar in it. Do not deliver us. So second, sometimes the people think of temptation as enticements to sin. And again, Jesus was tempted externally. Likewise, we can also be tempted from the outside by the world's lies and promises. 
Then, three is then there's, then there are those temptations that arise from within the allurements to sin that are internal, originating from the power of indwelling sin. This is what James means in chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Do not lead us into temptation, Camin. Do not allow us to be near the allurement of sin. Do not bring us near to the devil. Do not permit me to be in a situation where the enticement to sin will be greater than I can bear. Goes back to that fourth petition. Give us our daily bread. Give me the spiritual strength to know that I may be tempted in this situation and I don't want to do that. Paul talks to the Romans in chapter 7 in there, our flesh, we want to do what's right, but our flesh does what's wrong. We know that. Jesus knew that. And that's the point where we ask God to lead us not in temptation and give us that discernment of who is in need of help to give us the discernment that, hey, I should be reading the Bible instead of watching the voice. That was another thing I did while shipping was gone. Just binge TV. And then the voice in particular because... Gwen Stefani is a judge. Oh, man, I used to have posters of Gwen Stefani for many years in my house when me and my son were bacheloring. So, but those are all gone. Those are all gone. Those are the enticement, the lusting. The, the, and it doesn't have to be the physical lust there. Um, there before, I coveted John, Jonathan's truck for many years. And man, how I could just have a truck like that. There's those types of things that what we get confused on. And again, the devil is just enticing us. Just putting that little thought. Well, you can't get a truck like that. No, I don't think so. Not in today's world. In today's doing. So those are the six petitions that we know. The traditional ending of the Lord's Prayer helps us to lift our petitions into heaven where God will surely hear them and then respond with mercy and might because to him belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory. And it's sealed and bonafide, and our statement of faith in amen for all of those.
Within here, there's a, a prayer that, that he mentions that he closes the book out from 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10, verses 10 and 13. And part with me while I find that one, because I know I didn't bookmark that. Verses 10 through 30. This is the um, prayer of David. And what I really liked is that even though he starts his prayer with that, and Bobby's taught me this many of time, and us, when we read Scripture, then you just build off of that. So here, in verse 10, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hands are power and might, and in your hand is to all make great and to give strength to all. Amen. That's, that's a powerful prayer that what we should reflect on. And believe me, there's tons of prayers that you could come out of the Bible. You know, David, going back to learning prayers as a kid, David wrote Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Again, that's personal. It kind of sounds like that gimme. But what I do many of times is I mention a person's name. Like just here recently visiting my son in Albuquerque. You know, Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the shepherd of Joel. Lead them to the green pastures and still waters to restore his soul. Bring them back to the relationship he had with you as a little boy. And I watched him grow. And as he was raised into the community, he fell away. Bring them back. That's my prayer, to go. And in the Ephesians prayers, in chapter 1 and chapter 3, I also insert names where God is talking, Paul is talking, of who we are. So with that, I would like to end with our communion. And as I mentioned, Jesus gave us bread to demonstrate that this is his body.
that was given up for us. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you that your love for us is unmeasurable, that you alone and by you alone we have eternal life. Let us take this wafer in remembrance of the sacrifice of your Son, what he did on the cross, so that we may breathe and live forevermore. Thank you, Lord, for providing us this. Let us partake of the communion. And that same night, he took the cup, the cup of salvation, and gave thanks for it. We thank you, Lord, for this. Let us not forget your love, mercy, and grace. Let us surrender our heart fully to you so that we can acknowledge you to our friends, our family, our neighbors, that by this new covenant and the shedding of your blood, our sins are removed. Bless your holy name. Partake. And that is the reason why our God is a good, good Father. Let us praise Him. Yeah. 